Okay. Ready? I'm prepared, I think. I'm going to be saying a lot of Spanish words. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's do some Spanish lessons. BDFM. Benvenidos a BDFM. Yo soy D. Soy B. The B is short for bisexual. (laughs) (laughs) We're covering a Spanish language show. First of all, welcome. Esta entire episode (laughs) is in Spanish. That's, That's as far as I can go. Pretty good. We have both been, since before the pandemic, studying via Duolingo the many languages of the world. Well, I've only been studying Italian. You've been studying everything. Your Spanish has improved by default in studying Italian. When you study a romance language, I think it all... But I like to say that I've only learned enough Italian to mispronounce my Spanish. (laughs) This year, what you're listening to, this is a podcast about television. One of the shows we're covering today is in Spanish, and that's why we're talking so much Spanish. It's about culture. It's about sexuality. Sexuality. <laughs> That's French right there. Italian uh, would sexuality. be sexualita. Uh huh. Espanol, sexualitamos. <laughs> Probably sexualidad. Dad. I would think, yes. Sure. So, yeah, we talk about things in the world that are inspired in our brains by a TV show we watched one time. We go, hey, remember that one time on TV? And sometimes we go and look up the episode and then we watch it. We each force. Clockwork Orange style, (laughs) our partner to sit and watch unblinking through an episode of TV that we want to rewatch. And if you could see our studio, you honestly, I mean, it does feel like somebody could be holding a hostage (laughs) and making, forcing you to watch something. It's a, it's a bit spooky. We're in a basement. It looks not unlike Buffalo Bill's basement (laughs) from Silence of the Lambs. Spoilers. Uh, There might be a pit in back. I haven't seen any lotion around here somewhere i'm worried i have all kinds of lotion you should just asked (laughs) uh yeah so you have a spanish language show i have a 70s throwback show to check out i am going to force you to watch los espookies an hbo show created by julio torres and ana fabrega and this episode is is so fucking good it's such a good show i don't know if you gringos have been watching this but (laughs) It, it's the only show that I actively watch that's it, it's in Spanglish. Mm-hmm. All the characters are bilingual. They sort of switch back and forth effortlessly. It's truly written in Spanglish because often they write in English and then translate. Or they will write something in Spanish and translate it into English. And it's, so it's it partially it set in Los Angeles, but it's also partially set in a fictional mm-hmm. South American country. Possibly Central American. Yeah. We're not really it sure. It might be. El Salvador, Honduras, or it kind of, it feels like Southern Mexico. I don't know. But yet it's like just a quick drive to LA. It's like five hour drive from LA. Yeah. It's a, it is filmed in Chile and a lot of the actors are from a lot of different countries. Some of the actors though are Chilean. And then yes, there's definitely some scenes that are set in LA with people like Fred Armisen, the great Carol Kane. John Early is also in the show. There's some great moments. So this episode is the second episode of the first season. It's the second episode ever. And it's called El Espanto de la Herencia. The this inheritance one in the mansion? Scare. Yes. It's it's a sort of haunted mansion classic spend the night in a haunted house. Scare. And so the the main four cats, the, the, the lead characters are a team that they call themselves Los Spookies and they're a, they, They're almost like a reverse Scooby Doo team. 
they're, they're like a live theater production company where they go to places and put on spooks, as they yeah, call it. Like yeah. they put on like ghost shows in live in different places. Yeah. But then there's also metaphysical shit that also happens, like yes. mermaids and weird yeah. dream characters. And it's it's well situated in the Latin American tradition of magical realism it's very it feels very much like a yeah but on acid it's like julio yeah. torres is a weird dude he was a snl yes. writer and it's like and anna fabriga too is a weirdo oh, yeah. yeah it's just great they're both great and they're both super weird and it is um very meaningful to me to see a you know a wonderful hbo show that's in spanish with all these uh, latin actors it's pretty cool awesome and so what have you brought? Well, to counteract all the diversity, <laughs> decided to pick yes. the whitest all-American show. And but this comes from the the uh the espiritu, the the um <laughs> it the inspiration from this comes from I was watching Community the other day, mm -hmm. season 1, near the end, and Donald Glover because I think Abed said something about jumping the shark and Mm -hmm. Donald Glover protests and he says, there was an episode of TV where a guy literally jumped over a shark and it was the best one. <laughs> I remember watching The Happy Days when the Fonz jumped over a shark when I was a kid. Turns out it came out in 77. So wow, I was three, but I must have seen it on reruns or something. Sure. And I, I don't know if it was good or not. I want to I want to watch it again and yeah. see if it's good. I don't think Happy Days was very good. It it was mostly white boys trying to get dates with Betty Sue. You know, <laughs> they hung out at a diner and yeah, it was like about their family dynamics. Drive their fifties cars and go to diners. And there was a time in my life I was really into Happy Days because it would stream on well, it must have been Nick at Night or something like that. It was it would stream kind of late-ish at night, and I had a little TV in my room, and I was probably like Happy Days fourteen or something. And then you go, no, they weren't all Happy Days. Like that time I lost all that money to those card sharks, and my dad taught Bosley had to get it back. <laughs> um, I don't remember much about the show except Tom Bosley and Richie, little mm -hmm. uh, little mm -hmm. future director, little Richie Cunningham slash Opie. The narrator from Arrested Development. Slash friggin' well-respected director of movies, Ron Howard. Ron Howard, yeah. So the episode I'm going to watch, it's hard to find. It's season five, episode three. It's called Hollywood Part Three. Wow. And it's the third part. I'm not, we're not going to watch all three parts. <laughs> okay. There's a little recap at the beginning. Because Side note, Hollywood Part Three sounds like an album you would put out. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a Mountain Goats album. Yeah, I think I that it. all the main characters went to Hollywood because Fonz was there for oh. some reason. It yeah. opens, I watched a little bit of it earlier today. It, it opens with uh, Richie writing a letter to Al, the guy who runs the diner. Sure. Summing up their whole adventure <laughs> as if like, if you went with your friends to another city <laughs> and you wrote a letter to... Silver Lake Cafe's owner, <laughs> and you're like, I might do that. We haven't been in there for a while, but this is what's been happening in our life. It's oh, insane. That's great. But um, you can watch it on DailyMotion.com, and I think this is like a pirated copy because it's sort of it's weirdly stretched out and weirdly colored. I think high pitched, and it's at two x speed. And yeah, <laughs> but we're gonna watch it anyway. You can mostly watch it okay. 
All right. I'm excited. It will be happy days. It will be happy spooky days. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break during which we watch both of these episodes that we just talked about. And we'll give you a little summary of what we saw. And we'll talk about the issues that were in them. If you would like to, you can go to our Patreon or Garage TV, our network, which is at G-R-A-G-E dot TV. And if you become either a patron or a subscriber on Garage TV, you can watch our watch-alongs where we actually record ourselves, watch these shows and Mm -hmm. go, oh, look, he actually jumped over a shark. (laughs) Yes. That was a little preview. It's just like an extra ASMR layer of audio on top of watching the show. Very interesting. Yeah. You can put it on while you're watching the dishes. What well, watching the di- <laughs> while you're watching the dishes. Well, <laughs> listen to our show while you're watching the dishes. We'll be right back. BDFM is brought to you by Come on down to Cletus's drug buffet. It's just like you remember if you ever uh, went to the Midwest and uh, went to a, one of those old buffet houses, except it's just drugs. It's just DMT, cocaine. You got some uh, molly over here and just a big like chafing dish full of PCP. Down at Cletus's, you're going to find a lot of good time. People just want to have a good time. You got fentanyl ice cream ketamine cookies there's ayahuasca pancakes mdmms <laughs> we've got those cletus is where you go for a drug buffet eat them up <laughs> welcome back we're back welcome back to bdfm Bienvenidos. Bienvenidos. We just uh, watched Los Espookies. Mm-hmm. Los Espookies. Los Espookies. And then we watched Happy Days, Jumping the Shark. Mm-hmm. You know, one is about some Midwestern kids trying to make it in Milwaukee. It's about a gang about of kids. Some uh, South or Central American kids trying to make their way. Mm-hmm. Also, who visit LA sometimes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, in both shows this week, these kids are trying to achieve their dreams and they're trying to pull off some uh, wild stunts. stunts. They're trying to pull yeah. off some big stunts that people, others are saying can't be done. And the theme of whether one should uh, become an actor or not, or wants to. Uh-huh. That happens in both shows. It shows up in both episodes. Yeah. In the Los Spookies episode. Well, we'll recap the, the episodes as we go. But every episode of Los Spookies includes uh, this sort of reverse Ghostbusters. <laughs> We're not Ghostbusters. It's different. But they are sort of reverse Scooby-Doo's Meaning that in the way that Scooby-Doo villains dress up as ghosts and invent paranormal, paranormal seeming situations, this is also what the Spookies do. They produce immersive experiences of horror. Yeah, I mean, this is almost the quintessential example. I mean, they do they do weird stuff with aliens and other creatures Mm -hmm. and ghosts, but this is the mansion that's haunted. Yeah, this is a big one. The first episode has them producing Ronaldo's sister's quinceanera. Oh. The sister that we see in this episode is her quinceanera in the first episode. And it, it's totally goth and spooky and with the kind of music that... Oh, she wants it to be spooky mm-hmm. if she's into goth. And it's it's almost a Halloween party, um, which is a great idea. So our mm-hmm. four mains, Ronaldo, mm-hmm. Ursula, Tati, mm-hmm. and... Andres. Uh, they're all sort of aimless and looking for a thing to do, and they sort of fall into the, the spooky gang. Yeah, they realize that they can 
take on gigs doing certain things for people, but they're just getting started. This episode is the one in which they pull off an inheritance scare when the Barbie-like ambassador, Melanie Gibbons. She's the American ambassador to this country that they live in, but she doesn't mm-hmm. speak Spanish. She doesn't speak Spanish. She's just there to party. She's only interested in, in like being a socialite. She gets invited. Well, she's in notified. Words, she's an ambassador. Yeah. <laughs> she gets invited to the the house of some big shot who has died, leaving no heirs. Federico. Something Federicuti. Don Federicuti or something. Don Federicuti. And he had one son, but the person who is hiring them to put on this inheritance scare is doing it because she doesn't want the son to inherit all the money. The old man said... Anyone who is brave enough to stay overnight in my mansion gets $60 million or something like that. Yeah, There's it's a classic. five people competing to stay overnight <laughs> in the mansion. Yeah, and they're rigging it so that anyone might win, but not the son, because he never, he never responded to any of the email forwards that his father sent. <laughs> um, the son, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And he was ungrateful. So the, the uh, spookies, Los Spookies are hired. Meanwhile, Andres is dealing with all of this family pressure to attend a ribbon cutting ceremony for whatever, for the chocolate. He's dating whatever. some rich chocolate scion. He, he He's is, an he heir to a, a chocolate fortune and Juan Carlos is heir to a cookie fortune. Oh, okay. It's treated as if they're, you know, the heirs to like oil fortunes. That's the level of like opulence that Andres is living at. He's got a lot going on. There's a little bird at his window <laughs> trying to tell him something. He has all these mystical things going on throughout the episode, but he's mainly he's frustrated with how things are going, and he really wants to do this one really intense stunt, which involves the guy being sucked yeah, through a bed. What if someone lays down in the bed, and we suck him down into the bed, and then transport him <laughs> to the ceiling and drop him back into the same bed? <laughs> It's out of something like, like The Haunting of Hill House well, or something. Well, that would be hard, but we have <laughs> stuff to do it, which is insane. But of course, it's a comedy anyway, of errors as, you know, anyway, what there's four, the like things go wrong. Anyway, there's five guests and one of them's a shallow nun who leaves because <laughs> she realizes she can't keep the money. She has to give it to charity because she's a nun. One of them's a, a nurse who... One of them's the nurse who... Pa- passes out. And who he, She was the one who took care of the guy who has died. And, and so she passes out from fright and like very ends up early sleeping on. all night. And then the ambassador who leaves because she sees she looks out the window and is like, "Is that a group of friends having beers for the first time oh, in right. a while? That's technically a That's party. Technically. What if they so see that the no one invited me and they have? She has to go check it out and socialize. She can't keep herself away from it. So basically, it's just down to the the rich guy's son who they're trying to get rid of, mm-hmm. and the nurse pass out on the floor. He's finally taken down by the bed stunt, which Ronaldo kind of relents and allows Andres to try to do. They engineer the whole thing, and the son is convinced that it's the ghost of his father. He's like, can you hear me in hell, father? It's ridiculous. They've got the job the same day, and they're saying, well, it's all set up. We could try it. And they're like, I'm yeah, not they're... sure it's going to work. But well, if everybody coordinates together, it's very it's very much a team metaphor. Like, yeah. if we all coordinate together, we can pull this thing off. And they never explain how they pull it off. The physics make, make no sense. physically impossible. And there's plenty of other mystical, magical things in the episode that suggest to us that the universe, is, the universe this show is set in is pretty magical. So they you run know? the sun through the bed, mm-hmm. out of the ceiling. He runs he off. He freaks out. Screaming. He runs away. Dad is 
tormenting him. Mm-hmm. They present the nurse. They wake up the nurse and present her with a giant check saying that she's the heir to the fortune. And she says that she doesn't deserve it because she's the one who killed him. <laughs> she was poisoning <laughs> him. Slowly, slowly poisoning him. <laughs> she says, poco a poco, durante mucho tiempo. For a long time, little by little, she was poisoning him because he never appreciated her like he did the other nurses. <laughs> he never gave her a teddy bear. He never bear. gave her a present like the other nurses. So funny. And they but just agree like, that they it's don't fine. Care. Nobody cares that she mm-hmm. uh, admitted to murder. They just give her the money. They don't care at all. The B story of the whole episode is that Fred Armisen in LA is uh, having a case of mistaken identity where he has been taken for uh, a famous disruptive artist who's like all the rage who's also played by fred armison in los angeles yeah a blonde <laughs> fred armison in a blonde wig mm-hmm. but then he meets the artist and the first thing he says i know what you're gonna say you, you're gonna want to switch places with me and take my job as a valet and i can be you but i'm not interested <laughs> and then the guy's like that's not what i was gonna say what i was gonna say is <laughs> stop pretending to be me or i'll fucking sue you <laughs> It's kind of an episodic show, and every show they have a task that they have to pull off. But it's also um, very sort of narrative in, in, in the mm-hmm. season arc. Yeah, there's there's ongoing threads. Rinaldo is the nephew of Fred Armisen, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he goes to L.A., and they help each other out, and they collaborate. And Yeah, Tico ends up meeting the woman who directed the movie that they watch in this episode. This oh, episode opens okay, okay. with a with a horrible scene. Every time I watch Los Spookies, I go, oh, God, I hope it's not the one that opens with that horrible scene where they're watching a horror movie and it's just a, an eye being... An eye gets twisted out. Twisted, cut out of someone's face. Yeah, it's horrible, but it's, but it's so in that fake. great, gory 70s way. And it's directed by Bianca... Bianca something? Nova. Bianca Nova. That's is the right. name of the, Played of by the director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of things are being set up. It's early in the first season. We'll get to this, but like the the first season of this show as one thing is like a perfect kind of encapsulation of a yeah. story from front to back. Definitely. It's, they only got one more season, but, but there maybe, was also a long time between seasons because it, it was when the pandemic happened. One of the things I want to talk about is like when a show runs its course, maybe it should run its course. Sure. Like maybe like, two seasons was perfect for most of spookies yeah um, sure i mean to to mention community again it's like when britta says that's the great thing about british tv they give you closure there's only six episodes of this show and then they all drink hemlock and die <laughs> what she's saying is a cliche that hipsters say all the time yes and that's my that's that's my thesis too <laughs> but let me talk about happy days because this ties right into the story of when to end a TV show. Mm-hmm. It's famously the episode that everyone references. But I bet at this point in time, almost nobody has seen because I'm mm-hmm. one of the oldest people on earth. <laughs> I'm in my 40s. I don't know anyone older than me. You're the oldest and person I'm, I know. <laughs> and this was on when I was uh, three years old. This aired in 77. As we said, it lived long in syndication. So who knows who saw and it I, on Nick at I Night guess. or... Hard Some of say. you elder millennials out there. But yeah, Happy Days. It's uh, not a funny show. <laughs> not a very engaging or important show. It really is. It's like American Graffiti. I think it's sort of roughly based on that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Teenagers in the 50s. 
going on chaste dates where they kiss, but nothing further. Although <laughs> the Fonz does make reference to having sex. Sure. He did say in this episode, somebody said, the Fonz almost got killed. And he was like, yeah, those women were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is season five already. Yeah. This episode and is... They did eight yeah. seasons. This is five, okay. three. Okay. They did a lot more episodes after this. This isn't like the end of the show by any means. Sure. But it's it's considered, it like you were saying, the turning considered point. a turning point when it got worse, I guess, because they were desperate for stories, mm-hmm. which they should be because it's set in Milwaukee. It's about white teenagers who date white <laughs> girls. That's the whole show. Like, <laughs> of course, they were scrounging for ideas. <laughs> Three white boys and an Italian played by a Jewish man <laughs> who hang out at Arnold's Cafe. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. here's the story. This is actually the third part of a three-parter. We didn't bother to watch the first two parts. <laughs> a three-parter. Imagine part three. And apparently, it opens with Al. The proprietor of Arnold's, middle-aged Italian cook with a big pot belly and a big Italian nose. And for some reason, Richie, who's just a customer who hangs out at Al's, <laughs> sent him a postcard and explained the whole story. So Al's, and, and for some reason, Al's reading it aloud to himself. Yeah, who is he reading it to? Because they don't show anyone around that him. To himself. He explains that the Fonz had an audition and he was trying to get this part, but Richie was there and Richie got discovered instead. And so Richie got an offer to be in a movie Mm -hmm. as his contract. He doesn't know what he's going to do. Meanwhile, the Fonz got in a fight with a local hotshot water ski guy. By the way, Hollywood is landlocked. Um, (laughs) It's called Hollywood, but they're clearly in Santa Monica or... Venice Beach or Malibu. It might be Malibu. Yeah, the word Hollywood is just standing in for Los Angeles County. Yeah, so they're in Malibu. He gets in a pissing contest with, quote, the best water skier in California. But the Fonz, <laughs> who's from Wisconsin, <laughs> is just somehow better than the best water skier. And beats him at some competition, a water skiing competition. Is it like? Is it because he's so good on his motorcycle that it just transfers over? He's just fun. He's just good at everything. He's good at fucking and fixing cars <laughs> and everything in between. Wow. Now the story hasn't even started yet. That's just where we start. It opens on a beach, and somebody comes running up to Richie. He's he's still kind of wavering on whether to be in the movie or not. It's very meta because obviously he is an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a child actor, and so he's having this debate about whether he should become an actor. Yeah. Very meta for the time. It is. He he'd been, he had been an actor for his whole life. Yeah. So it's like the concept of like, and if going, I, I choose to be an I actor. That life. Yeah. That's apparently the A story is the acting thing, but they don't even talk about it for the first half of this, this whole <laughs> episode. Because somebody runs up to Richie on the beach and they go, the Fonz is going to jump a shark. And he's like, what? <laughs> and, and this is like five seconds after see, they conveniently get rid of the girl, the love interest that he made. He's oh, like, he I've a met date. a great girl. He's like making out with and this girl. And she's like, out. I got to tell you, I'm leaving. I'm going on a field year or something. He met this girl. They made out twice. <laughs> and she's gone. He's heartbroken. They're at this beach and they keep showing this net. There's there's a like cylindrical netted off 
area right off the beach <laughs> that's just penning in one giant shark. There's a ramp and a shark in a net. Like, wouldn't you think a shark in a net would attract other sharks? I don't know. Something, yeah. I don't think you'd yes. want that by your beach with swimmers. I've I never agree. heard of such a thing in real life. <laughs> I don't understand. Somebody comes maybe, running up to yeah. Richie and goes, the Fonz is going to jump a shark. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, there's a shark in a net out there. And <laughs> the guy that he's, his rival. The California king the or California something, king, right? The king. That's what they call him. Water skier guy challenged the Fonz to jump. And the Fonz said, all right, I'll do it. But you go first. So the other guy goes first. Uh, oh, and he tells Richie, you're driving. You're yeah, driving the boat. Like By the it. way, Richie's from Milwaukee. He's 18 or <laughs> 17 or 16. Like, how does he know how to drive a motorboat precisely <laughs> enough? But that's all besides the point. The California King chickens out. He sees mm-hmm. the shark. He gets nervous. He throws in the rope and doesn't go over the ramp. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's like, yay, Fonzie, you win. Now you don't have to jump. And the Fonzie's like, no, I made an agreement. He's very intense. Henry Winkler really, Henry really Winkler. commits. By the way, all the young men are wearing these four-inch long, tiny <laughs> s- swimsuit pants that look like... But they look like also, briefs. They look like... Because they're like, they're they look teeny. They like tiny whiteies yeah. almost. The Fonz is wearing a full-on leather jacket <laughs> with these tiny little panties. Uh, anyway, the Fonz is like, I made a deal. I'm going to go do it. Richie, get in the boat. Mm-hmm. They go around. He puts his leather jacket back on, which he took off for a second. <laughs> it's slow-mo for like 10 minutes of him approaching the jump and then the cutting back to the shark, which is clearly in a different location. In, in like, yeah, it's in Marina Del Rey. And then they're, they're just cutting back to Santa Monica. Yeah. Back and forth between Richie's <laughs> face and Tom Bosley's face on the beach and uh, Joni, the Fonz, giving a thumbs up. Anyway, he just kind of jumps. <laughs> he just does it. He goes up the ramp. He jumps over the net. He lands. He sticks the landing. Everybody cheers. This is one third of the way through the show. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there's a bunch more. They're gonna you they're gonna process think they it all. Would have made this the climax of the episode. <laughs> like, why didn't he do the thing with the script first and do this last? But anyway, the show is a third over, and <laughs> the shark jumping is done. He just did it. Yeah. First time, no problems. <laughs> the shark didn't budge. The shark didn't doesn't jump out. It's not like a free willy moment. It's not like the. Universal tour where the shark jumps out of the water and <laughs> yes. tries to grab him. Yeah, it's very anticlimactic, actually. They immediately just cut back to the A story. And Richie's like, I don't know if I want to do this acting thing. And then there's a 10-minute scene where he's getting <laughs> advice from Tom Bosley. <laughs> and Tom's just like, well, I wish I was Ozzy from Ozzy and Harriet because then I would tell you what to do. But you don't want me to tell you what to do, do you? Because Yeah, it's very much a model of, of parenting. And then basically his parents tell him to do it to their credit. They're like, yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. He literally says, yeah, just sign it. See what happens. Richie, for some dumb reason, <laughs> cut to him on a pier holding the contract, yeah. a bunch of paper. And Fonz is also on the pier, just like in his panties, just looking <laughs> at him. And then they show Richie just throw the contract. By the way, littering, $500 fine. Throw the whole contract into the ocean. And the Fonz goes up and says, oh, so that's your decision, huh? 
It's like, what was the contract for? A fucking 15 year, like five year contract. That's insane. First of all, (laughs) well, as we all know, that's like winning the lottery. Even if you don't want to be an actor, take that deal. (laughs) Yeah. Guaranteed employment. Five years of work and he doesn't have to do anything the rest of his life. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to be a movie star. It's like, what is it? He's just like, he's got an acting contract. (laughs) He keeps saying, do I want to be a movie star? Uh, which is so Midwest. Anyway, he, so he turns it down. <laughs> That's not my dream to be a movie star. I want to be a journalist. I'm like, you jackass, you could be a journalist also, mm-hmm. or you could study to be a journalist while you're being paid a million dollars. Oh, by the way, the contract was for 200 a week. Is that what he says? <laughs> yes. Wow. And he says, it's a lot of money. <laughs> What's the button? So they, then they go back to Milwaukee and they go back to Al. And they give him a present. They give oh, him a, a shell. Yeah. And they say, L- you can listen to the ocean. And he puts it up to his ear and he pretends it's like a hi-fi radio. And he's like rocking up. <laughs> it's very funny. And uh, Chachi's there. He's young, like 15. Yeah. He's hitting on Joni. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing for them fucking later. <laughs> and that's it. Everybody leaves except the Fonz. And then the Fonz punches the wall and the lights go out. <laughs> which, you know, faulty wiring. <laughs> um, yeah, that's not a good sign if you, if you can do that. Or, but, or magical realism. So he's in this cafe. The owner has left. There's a big poster that says, Our Hero, the Fonz. And it's his picture. <laughs> and he like tears it off the wall and looks at it. And he's like, yeah, and walks away. He's he just, like, like, puts st- it under his arm. And then it's like him he's... like looking pensive and like holding it. Like, I'm taking this home. and yeah that's the end it's and just then it goes to like a still frame of him holding it and just pleased with himself apparently he's stealing a poster of himself from a cafe where people can admire it <laughs> like, to he bring to it? his one bedroom garage apartment by the way he, he lives in the cunningham's garage that's right. how he knows them anyway terrible show did it jump the shark no it was never good to Aww. begin with i mean maybe this is the best episode was troy right Something about the way that it's shot is weird. The way it's shot on location, the way it's shot at the beach is like uncomfortable in the way that like the later Seinfeld episodes get a little awkward and weird because there's Seinfeld not the studio did the audience. Same thing with Kramer. Yes, that's true. They did the same thing where Kramer goes to Hollywood and he gets on a show mm-hmm. and then Jerry and George he go becomes, there to like track him down. Uh, he becomes a suspect in a murder. Did Seinfeld jump the shark when they went to California? Honestly, some would probably say. Some would say. I mean, what is? I mean, what does that mean? Does it mean there's a previous peak and then it's going downhill and then there's just like a sharp downhill? Does it mean? They, or does it mean it's the bottom of? Well, it doesn't mean it's the worst episode. No, it means it doesn't mean it's the it's worst. A turning it means point. It's sort of the turning point downward so it could be the best well it's not really the peak though it's more like the one where they decided to go too far and do something too dumb it's more about them trying to win back the audience it's like Mm. the cosby show when rudy got too old they brought another kid in right yeah and different strokes when when arnold and willis got too old they brought another kid in Mm -hmm. and uh, Buffy. The Brady Bunch brought another kid in. Yeah. Buffy brought another kid Buffy in. Buffy brought a teenage girl in when they were no longer teenagers. When the rest of the cast was a little too old, was in their the 20s, Simpsons they brought, brought in a teenage in girl. <laughs> they, 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 the Simpsons parodied this really well when 
it's just a throwaway joke of there's a guy named Roy and he's yeah. like, hey, everybody. And Homer's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Hey, Roy. And he calls him Mr. S. Hey, Mr. <laughs> S. He's clearly <laughs> supposed to be Fonzie. Yeah. Yeah, but this made me think of, I was just in a text thread with friends about the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And look, no spoilers because it's terrible. You can't, you can't spoil it. <laughs> The Mandalorian, I was so mad. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect two-season arc. It was a quest was given to a hero, mm-hmm. and he had a cute sidekick who was also part of the quest. And finally, it looks like they're going to fail, and then descends from the deus ex machina and uh-huh. saves their lives. And that's it. That should have been the end of the story. We don't need to know anything more about the Mandalorian. He yeah but then producers are like let's see what happens next yeah when luke skywalker digitally (laughs) de-aged yes comes blasting through the storm doors whatever they're called right the blaster doors i mean that's a peak moment that is where the show peaks like that that's not it was amazing no one knew that was going to happen it's not really jumping the shark but it's like what it's buttoning up the bow it's like tying a bow yeah, well, it's having a perfect, it's having what was a perfect ending and then going beyond it. And yeah. unfortunately, I get that. It feels like we know a little too much about like those decisions and the way they're made and how they're financial decisions where it's like, well, they got another season. We live in this industry town where like we, we talk a lot about the behind the scenes of like television. Well, like people are watching this in show, our daily lives. We, why would we cancel it? Why yeah, yeah. Stop? Exactly. So like, again, The Office at the end of season three. There's a great two-part season ending where Jim and Karen go to New York to interview for a job. Michael also is interviewing for the same job, doesn't get it. You know, on the way to this job interview, Jim like realizes like that he needs to be with Pam and he goes back and he breaks up with Karen and goes back and asks her out. And the end of the episode is Pam saying like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Jim is going to be in New York. You know, it never worked out between us. That's okay. And then he comes in and he's like, I want to take you to dinner. And it's the most, it's the happiest moment you can ever get the way that it just brings you so much joy. And then you're like, it should not okay. have gone on after that. Yeah. He really jimmed up the show. <laughs> but yeah, the exactly. after three seasons of the British office, Tim and uh, Dawn. Dawn get together. Mm-hmm. They kiss. and she... They kiss in the final moment. Of the show. Yeah. They kiss in the final moment of the Christmas David episode. Brent gets a date with a, somebody, a woman who's kind of cute yeah, and he finally kind of weird like him. Uh-huh. It's perfect. They just they bow it up. They tie it up with a bow. Don't mm-hmm. jump the shark. I think you're right on with the comparison to Seinfeld because it's like, well, how about they all go to wherever? Like maybe the Brady Bunch jumped the shark when they all went to Hawaii, Hawaii or whatever, yeah. right? It's like, why do they have to do this stunt? Well, because they have to do stunts because there's sweeps weeks. And you have to have guest stars. And because sh- writers get bored after yeah, a while and you have true. to you have to always heighten. It should heighten. be called Vacation to California. Exotic Vacation. That's yeah. jumping the shark. When you take your, even like the Simpsons, when they started going on all these exotic vacations. Yeah. And it's the it's, Japan one was okay, but then they went to Africa and that they went to Australia early on. And the Australian was kind of dumb, and the UK one they went to was not very good. There's something to that where it almost feels feels like that's always wrong. It's always the wrong choice because it feels like if you're writing TV, you have to stick with the premise. It has to it's be cyclical. It has to yeah. be routine, like a routine. Um, it has to be repetitive, and that probably is 
actually pretty difficult to pull off a show that's perfectly repetitive. I guess well, I love Lucy. Lucy. I love Lucy is really like some shows are adventure shows like Futurama. Every episode is an exotic adventure and that works. But right. with the Simpsons, the show is and you start to say, I love Lucy. Mm-hmm. The show is we're a family at home and something weird happens this week. Not, Things happen at work. Things yeah. happen at the bar. Friends, cool. Seinfeld, Office. It's all the same. Like it's it's a mundane place where yeah. interesting characters are and things happen. Friends did a pretty good job of avoiding that, I would say. They go on a couple trips, but it's not it doesn't get outlandish. I love Lucy gets ridiculous. They have some it's like one she of the earliest goes, shows that definitely jumps the shark. They go to California and they yeah. meet John Wayne. That's a great Lucy one. Lucy meets John Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, well, she gets because she puts her, she puts her, she gets her hands stuck in the cement. Oh, really? And she has to carry around the concrete blocks on her feet, and then she's like trying to hide it from Ricky. It's 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 incredible. Oh, that sounds hilarious. It's falling over. We it's really definitely funny. watch. That's <laughs> that's, that's when it's still you know that's I a great show. A lot of I Love Lucy when I was a kid because it was my mom's favorite show. So Aww, she would always watch it. Yeah, it's um something I definitely saw a lot of on the kitchen TV in my grandma's kitchen. Oh, the old kitchen TV. <laughs> what else? The Flintstones had this imaginary creature called Gazoo. It was like a Martian. Did they add him flying later? Flying animation that only Fred Flintstone could see. Nobody else could see it at any time. Did that? Remember that? It yes, be, but. It go, nice going, dum dum. Wait a minute, but when did that happen? Like season. That happened later in the show? Five or six or seven, or like one of the later seasons. That's. Why would that even be on. The- I mean, I'm sorry. I can't get over that. That's too weird. The Flintstones had a lot of weird. Yeah, I mean, they were on for a long time. I don't even know how many episodes they had. It was originally, wasn't it in black and white? Or they used to do these black and white Chesterfield cigarettes ads with Fred and mm-hmm. Barney. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Smoking cigarettes in the back stoop. <laughs> so what is the ideal number of seasons? What's the ideal length of a show? My guidelines are... Skip season one, usually. Season two tends to be the core of the show structurally. It tends to set up strong, very strongly what the characters are. Season three tends to be, I'd say, pretty good. Depends on the show. Sometimes the best season. Season four tends to suck across the board, I'd say. Most season fours are a little faltery. I mean, Season five is good again. Be, no, I don't know. It's can't, it can't it can't be consistent. Three might be ideal. It's but not I, consistent. I think after once you get past three, that's a lot of episodes, especially in the olden days when it used to be twenty five episodes per season or something. Yeah. Nowadays, maybe it's it's more of a filmic mentality. I think like when you see an endpoint, mm-hmm. it's more of a modern thing. Like back in the happy days days, they just wanted to keep shows going for as literally as long as humanly possible yeah they weren't hipsters out here going like we have a story to tell (laughs) and when that story is done exhausted that's what we're doing milwaukee teen politics (laughs) (laughs) but in the case of mandalorian you know what disney has is brilliant if they could see it whoever the head of disney is now feel free to pay me for consulting i think it's um hr geiger (laughs) i don't know his name Igor. Bob Igor. If they would have ended The Mandalorian after two seasons, then they went to Boba Fett. They mm-hmm. did two seasons of that. Then they go to Andor. They do two or three seasons of Andor. Mm-hmm. They go to something else. They they don't need to 
do 10 seasons of the Mandalorian because they have 12 shows that they can each make into little self-contained arcs. Mm -hmm. I think that's a brilliant way to do it. I think if they just plan an end point for each show. Making them like, you know, six to 10 hour movies, basically. Yeah, And not trying to make them like old fashioned television where it's seasons and seasons and seasons of the same premise, which you can't sustain for that long i would even say rick and morty should just end because sure you can't push it past actually the last two seasons weren't as good as season two three four Honestly. they should just end it well obviously justin roiland has done some crazy stuff but well, who knows what they're talking about them. maybe replacing him or whatever but why they had a perfect five or six year run yeah. Just and honestly, with Rick else. and Morty, because it's one thing to be like, hey, you can't just say end the show. I mean, those are people's jobs. There's a lot of money. You know what? Just give all those people a, a very small stake in the merchandising for Rick and Morty and they're all going to be fine for a long sure. time. Because or just have there's Dan a lot of Rick and Morty shirts Harmon and plushies out there. On his next show, which I'm sure... Have sure. Some new brilliant idea. Yeah. But I mean, That's like Rick and Morty is going to keep being a moneymaker after it's done. The same way that yeah. The Nightmare Before Christmas is a moneymaker. We're talking about hot topic properties. I guess. And just, you don't have this. to. Yeah. It's, you're right. It, they could end the show and they'd still be making money off it. It's not. It doesn't look have to the be. Simpsons, though, like during season three, every kid in my school had a Bart Simpson shirt. Sure. I haven't seen one in 20 years. <laughs> so there was definitely a sweet spot for the marketing in there. Okay, sure, sure. I mean, I still have... No, like, you're right. Probably a Homer Simpson action figure around here somewhere and <laughs> some other Simpsons memorabilia, but it's definitely fallen off from yeah. when I was in grade school. So <laughs> a long time. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's no right answer. There could be shows that go for a long time that are great. But some stories need to end. Some stories need to end. Maybe your or, life is complete and you're... No, <laughs> it's not, but it's not just that some stories need to end. It's that sometimes you have to have the courage to tell the story, like follow through. You could give your character a satisfying ending that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that, well, after you, you know, show them day after day in this yeah. the same drudgery, we get it. <laughs> How would you... This is a huge question. How would you end The Simpsons? If you could. If you had to write wow. the script that... it's a really funny question. You could place it in any season, too. It's, um, one of the writers... A friend of mine w- was talking to one of the writers, and he relayed to me. He said, uh, some of the younger writers are trying to undo some of the things that were done over the course of The Simpsons, such as... Millhouse's parents getting divorced. They undid that. They oh, put right. Back together. So they're they're trying to like unchange. For the record, terrible idea. It sounds like a young yeah. writer from Harvard's bad idea to me because mm. I have no interest in you putting things back together that fell apart over the years. Sure. Um, Bringing Maude back. Why they didn't end with the movie is baffling. They could have made the movie. And, and the story of the movie was so dumb. <laughs> um, Springfield it, being domed off by the EPA off, which was a reference to a short-lived TV show called Dome or what was it called Remember oh that? my god I don't know the Dome or something <laughs> so they basically made a satire of a show nobody remembers five years later 
And then they kept Oof. the show going. How would I end The Simpsons? Well, Homer's got to die, obviously. <gasps> wow. That's rough, but it's it's foreshadowed. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he's out of shape and he's always getting himself in the craziest predicaments. So if, if Homer actually killed himself with some one of his crazy schemes oh, okay and then the rest of the family could just be like well the end of all the crazy adventures <laughs> and uh lisa goes oh. to um a uh an east coast uh ivy league college and bart goes to community college <laughs> and they call marge every couple weeks oh okay very cute that's terrible. I don't know. No, there is definitely something to that, though. The idea that the main character has to die because it, it's I like really the story of his Bojack life. I really thought Bojack was going to die. Well. If you haven't watched through to the end of Bojack, he gets close. <laughs> it's it's very much, um, much in the same way that a lot of people thought that Don Draper might die. The end sure. of And I don't Mad know Men. what happens at the end of Mad Men, actually. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I don't think that he does die, but listen. Like Breaking Bad is a great example. They had mm-hmm. like 10 loose threads. They tied them up perfectly. Perfectly. And then he dies heroically. <laughs> yeah. Which he was always meant to do. Yeah. And the the central relationship of that show, this mentor relationship, but where they both hurt each other a lot, he kind of... He, and teach each other a lot. He's able to sort of set Jesse free in a way. Yeah. Um, he saves Jesse from the rednecks. Yeah. He sacrifices himself. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, Bojack is a lot like Hamlet. They make a lot of Hamlet references and Shakespeare mm-hmm. references throughout Bojack. So my thought mm. was always he's slowly going mad like Hamlet due to his own ego and mm. issues with his parents. So he got to die. Sure. <laughs> but he he didn't. But I I, I Spoilers for Hamlet. Ended it. <laughs> Spoilers for Hamlet. They all die at the end of Hamlet. If you, if you haven't, haven't seen it. around to seeing Hamlet yet. It's a bloodbath. <laughs> they all just chop <laughs> each other up at the dies. end. It's insane. A couple of them get poisoned. One guy just falls off a bill. It doesn't make any sense. It's a lot like Breaking Bad. Everyone dies. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so that's an ancient way of ending a story. But we're going to knock on wood. We're going to keep living here. We're not going to end this episode with our deaths, hopefully. Yeah, I thought... The joke was too dark, but I was starting to go to a place where I was like, well, you might as well go out on a high with your life. You know, I keep living after your best day. <laughs> like, that, if you know, you know <laughs> if you're having the best day of your life ever <laughs> and you're my age, <laughs> just jump. <laughs> because you know it's going to be all downhill. And, you know, you don't want to jump the shark of life right this has all been a joke please do not kill yourself and then blame me <laughs> and our podcast and your suicide note because we were just joking as uh, as uh, richie said if that shark bites your legs off don't come running don't come to me running to me Again, spoiler alert joking. and uh <laughs> suicide jokes not funny my grandfather killed himself that's why i can joke about it <laughs> And he blamed me. (laughs) I was two years old and he said it was my fault. He left a note that was just like, that fucking little baby can't do shit for himself. 
He can't. He, he shits in his pants. He can't make dinner. He gets I'm more respect than me. <laughs> what did we learn today? What did we learn today? Things go on too long. Sometimes we jump the shark when we wanna do something crazy. And it's not part of the narrative. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's exactly how Philip Glass works. <laughs> I believe it, but then again, he's only got three notes per song. <laughs> we'll do a Philip Glass ending. <laughs> End your shows. Before they get stale. Shows are like bread. Eat them up. Koyana Scotsy is overrated. <laughs> Jumping the shark is also overrated. <laughs> I've been wanting to watch that episode, so that was cool. And Los Spookies is fucking awesome. Yeah, so I'm glad we watched both watched of those. Watched the whole season of that. Again, I, w I was kind of saying that maybe it is sad that it got canceled after two seasons, but maybe it'll just be a perfect little yeah. self-enclosed. You know, in fact, speaking of Futurama, we weren't. <laughs> um, I was so sad when Futurama ended after five seasons, but they, they tied it up very nicely mm -hmm. and then i was so excited when they started up again uh-huh i kind of shouldn't have mm. i mean there's some good episodes in the later seasons but really yeah. they had a perfect five season run and they should have just gone on to some new sci-fi project sure Anyways. i mean hey w would a season two of firefly have been any good yeah well the movie was kind of season two sure and that but was yeah, fine. One season in a movie. That's that's all they needed. Yeah. They could have told maybe told a little more of that story, actually. God, that's one we haven't done on this podcast yet. I love Firefly. Yeah, there's some good ones. Okay. All right, and so we're gonna be back next week and we'll think of something good we wanna watch. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, BDFM Pod. We're also on Pinterest as BDFM Pod. I forget to mention that, but Ooh. Is that little... peak your Pinterest? <laughs> you can go to Garage TV and uh, find us. That's G-R-A-G-E dot TV slash BDFM pod. If you become a subscriber at Garage TV, then you can actually listen to our watch alongs, which are little videos where you can play the Friends episode or whatever the fuck we're watching <laughs> at the same time with us and watch it with us and listen to all our heavy breathing <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening this has been bdfm i have been b i've been d and as always the fm stands for faulty mechanic <laughs> just like fonzie isn't that what just what fonzie is actually <laughs> all this time. he's just a faulty mechanic goodbye we'll see you next week BGFM. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Bye.